good morning and welcome back to my podcast good morning good afternoon good evening whatever time you're listening this i hope you're listening this at night because it's like i don't know it just add something when you're listening to it at night okay so welcome back to my podcast this is my podcast road of all evil podcast i've said podcast too many times okay so today we're actually going to be talking about well obviously something pretty terrifying and very real that's what makes it um more terrifying so okay so we are going to be talking about cults so i know i know everybody nobody even uses that word cult and they only use it when you they can they are like describing something that's very bad and brutal and um, that's true that's very true so first let's see like the uh, basic definition what it means and uh, let's go into it Okay so cult is defined as a group of people with extreme dedication to a certain leader or set of beliefs that are often viewed as odd by others or is an an excessive and misplaced admiration for someone or something or is something that is popular among a certain segment of society I kind of I know that I lost you guys in the middle there because okay so it's basically uh, any group that has uh, that that has like a group of people which like Uh, follows a particular leader or like a set of beliefs or mostly those beliefs and all those ideologies are totally like odd from what from the normal that we have so yeah so the word cult comes from a latin word cultus meaning a meaning to cultivate or till so it is any group that is led by a charismatic leader who cultivates a particular ideology in people's minds Now if you look closer a uh, cult isn't very different from a religion and I know that's it's a pretty controversial thing to say because cult is like so different from religion that's what that's what we've been taught religion is something you know it's good it's always good and then you have to be you have to follow your own god or you know whatever idol that you want to follow but it's simply it's simply said that cult plus time is equal to religion and if you just have like enough people to believe in the the things that you that you preach it just becomes a religion you know okay so many popular religions you might have not known this but many popular religions that we have now are for example like jainism sikhism spiritualism is uh, were all said to have started with a cult can you believe that it actually did yes so it's cult is something that when when people people just get together and you know they just talk about their beliefs and you know help each other out that's pretty much it right that's what we do when we go to church or temple or whatever so and not all cults are religious too it can be political therapy based focused on self improvement or otherwise just deadly so again um it's deeply engraved in people's minds that cults are a bad thing but that's why nobody you know even talks about it anymore even though it's still largely active in in a lot of places but not all cults are evil you guys got to have to understand that because some cults actually help people with their struggles and practice good ideologies you know uh, i can't really give examples for this because most of the cults that are good and like are helping people out they are low key so they remain low key so it's not that uh, famous you can't just you know find it as much as you can find about bad and evil scary cults on the internet so a typical cult requires a high level of commitment from its members and maintains a strict hierarchy separating unsuspecting supporters and recruits from the inner workings cults also demand obedience to human leaders who tend to be highly persuasive people with authoritarian and narcissistic streaks motivated by money sex power or all three now while a cult leader uses personal charisma to attract initial followers further expansion works like a pyramid scheme with early members recruiting new ones so cult is just like a you know how it just starts very small they have like two people who who totally believe in this one leader and then and then slowly it works like a pyramid scheme people get keep talking about this it's just a, you know they just sell it just gets sold by word So now before going into some of the most horrifying cults that existed in history uh which ended with one of the largest mass suicide ever recorded let's look at the reasons and the causes that makes anyone any normal person to join in a cult in the first place so according to a study it's revealed that there are at least five steps to how a normal person who's living a normal life would join a cult so let's see what these steps are step 1 is 
the crossroads now everyone gets to a point in their life where one has to take that life changing decision and even and even might feel like they're lost or something something like even a midlife crisis that they're going through or you know which will just make them lose their will to go on and you know lose belief in everything now these people join a cult because they're looking for love and acceptance and because they just want answers to their personal problems in their lives now loneliness and a desire for meaning makes one susceptible to friendly people offering community or just wanting a sense of belongingness often make them vulnerable to these kinds of groups and even though a cult could not solve all their problems it just comforts them in a way so yeah weak people going through some heartbreaking stuff it could be it could be a divorce it could be a heartbreak it could be a, a loss of a loved one it it could be anything it could be anything that's you know that could make you that could just shake you up you know and just makes you lose uh make you lose sight of everything in your life so that is the point where someone like you know would you know would start seeking uh, acceptance and love and you know people would just join a cult so step 2 is the soft sell So it's not like how they show in the movies how like a group of people just come together in a dark secluded room and you know chant prayers and you know just be all this uh be very shady. It's way more easier to get into a cult so much so that you don't even know you're in one. Okay so you know how people are willing to find answers and you know they might talk to their friends or family members or colleagues about their problems right? So the good family members or friends would just listen to them and help try to help them out now the shady ones you know try to make you join a cult so and that's how it begins you know the main methods of cult recruitment revolve around deception and manipulation so first the recru- recruiter might be someone these people know in fact more than 2/3 of cult members are recruited by a friend family member or a coworker whose invitations are just harder to refuse and someone who is sad lonely or desperate might be more inclined to trust someone who claims to know the path to happiness right so when you're so lost in your own mind and you just you just need some answers in your life you you start believing in someone you you start believing in someone who who you normally won't believe in right so also cults typically isolate recruits so they can't get a reality check they isolate you from your own family and they can't refuse to right because you seem more happy uh, doing this or at least you're pretending so you're not even your family members can help you out because you are the one that that you know gets to decide what you want to do with your life so they can only they can only tell you you know this is wrong and this is right once you're like completely brainwashed there's no going back right and once a person attends one meeting or service or a lecture he's invited to another 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 he is welcomed into the cult family and invited to commit himself to the group so that's how it begins you just you think you're going to a support group or you think you're going to a to a, a lecture or something about self improvement or whatever and then this this charismatic guy starts talking about how you can find happiness and in a short time you know and then you start following him and you know it's just something that you can believe in right so uh, they also uh, may ask the recruits not to discuss the group with others until you know they know more about it so they don't mislead people or give them only one part of the story so obviously you're not supposed to talk about you know what's happening in all of these meetings or lectures or whatever uh yeah it's like fight club where you know the first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club wait now that i think about it fight club might be a cult guys wait oh my god i am having a complete realization right now okay wait fight club was started by these two guys right not one but two charismatic guys who brad pitt and the other guy and then they all they did was you know recruit all these people and i mean they didn't ask anybody to join them they joined them by their own because again the reason that they all these men joined their group is because they wanted all these you know rage and the anger and whatever they had in themselves they wanted to take it out in some way and the way that they offered them to help is by you know fighting each other wow and and they also had like a friend where they would like sell soaps <laughs> and uh, i don't know what was that about but again they even like formed a whole as 
army like you know army of men oh my god fight club is a cult movie all did you know this they they even try to like change the world by you know blowing up banks so that you know people won't owe debt to the banks anymore wow wait it's not even two guys it's just one guy and his imagination right i'm sorry guys uh, spoiler alert so it's like one charismatic guy who's effed up in his mind who's trying to like literally start a cult god okay i'm going to go rewatch fight club right now i don't know okay okay so well uh, i totally went off the track okay fight club is a cult movie all uh, you heard it here first okay step 3 step 3 let's go to step 3 and okay so step 3 is where you're presented with a new reality okay so now we're joined a cult and you know what happens you're promised of a life that will bring you joy and peace and all you have to do is follow the leader blindly now cult life for for all these people seem perfectly normal and right to them and to other insiders no matter how pathological it appears to outsiders so they are they are you know presented with this new reality where it's like um where it's totally different from outside they are like oh you can have all these things without without working for it and it might seem like a really good option at that moment but there's a lot of things that you have to sacrifice but they don't realize that because again they're completely manipulated by this guy so that's how you ruin your own life okay step 4 is about the charismatic leader that i've been talking about all this time that pulls you towards a certain cult so a charismatic leader has the uncanny ability to get people to follow him unquestioningly and uh, cult members are devoted to the leader not to the leader's ideas the leader has complete control over his followers there is no questioning of his decisions and he is accountable to no one within the group so uh, most destructive religious cults demand absolute devotion to a single person who is considered to be god or connected to god the messiah a prophet or possessing some other holy status but to the members of a cult only this single person can lead them to salvation without the single person they will spend eternity in hell so yeah all these religious cult readers for example totally brainwash these people and manipulate them and tell them that you know they are the only chance for them for redemp- redemption and and i mean what 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 can you do you know you don't believe in you don't believe in christianity you don't believe in jesus and and there is some other guy you can't literally like speak to god himself right so this other guy is like oh this charismatic guy is telling you that i am the god i am the messiah i am the prophet and i can help you and you can talk to him right so that's what makes it better you know so uh, this in most scenarios it's the preacher you know the guy that's mostly the religious cult readers it's the preacher or a church member who gets banished from a mainstream church for preaching extreme or unconventional ideas or showing signs of corruption or instability often fall into the role of a cult leader so these people you know who try to become cult leaders do you think they just you know one day they just start a cult no it doesn't happen that way people religious cult leaders uh, especially they are in a they are obviously already are a pastor or a or a church going person who is like someday uh, they just have these beliefs and ideas that are not very conventional to the to the normal church you know their their ideology and you like totally think out of box and you know you you're, you're obviously like kicked out of the church or wherever you are going and that's how it starts for example david koresh leader of the branch davidian cult that was destroyed during a us government siege in 1993 was active in a mainstream christian church before he was thrown out for negatively influencing some of the church's young members and this other guy reverend he wasn't reverend reverend james uh jim warren jones was uh, who is the reason behind killing hundreds of people of the people's temple in 1978 was ordained a mainstream christian pastor uh so he was a christian and he was a very christiany person and this other guy is past is a pastor and now these people just had like different ideas even though they believed in christianity and whatever but they didn't accept with all the all the things that you know christian christian christianity preaches right so but it's not just people with different religious beliefs uh, who become cult leaders some cult leaders are just simply anti social 
uh, destructive individuals who find out that they have a knack for manipulation a perfect example is charles manson so uh, it's not obviously it's not just there are a lot of type of cults right there's political cults there are other like self improvement cults whatever they call it and uh, it's just people who you know they would have probably become a serial killer but you know they just had like a uh, i think this is worse than becoming a serial killer serial killer you're just on your own you just have like a partner or whatever and then you go around killing few people but being a cult leader is way worse because not just are you uh, doing bad things and like you know like i don't know murdering people you're also asking other people like a group of people you're like asking them to do this stuff for you just because you can get some pleasure out of it you know it's that's what charles manson did you know i'll we'll get into that for sure yeah So step 5 is how cults create this idea of everything and everyone outside of the cult is viewed as an enemy. Now they brainwash the members to only serve the leader and to let go of any kind of responsibility they have in life. Once complete dependence is established, the member must retain the leader's good favor or else his life falls apart. Now the leader may punish doubt or insubordination with physical or emotional trauma. so that's exactly um how you can once you go get into a cult there's like no way back that's why that's why that's what they do they brainwash you they make you make you do whatever they want whatever he wants the leader in particular so once all ties to the outside world have been cut the member feels like his only family is the group and he has nowhere else to go no access to necessities depends on the leader's favor the ma- the member must behave or he may not get food water social interaction or even protection from the outside world now the member may believe that uh, the only group members are saved so if he leaves he will face eternal damnation so that's what that's what it's like completely like deeply engraved in this uh, cult members's mind that you know If you leave this place you literally be doomed for your entire life and that you would not have a chance at salvation and um it's just you're just I don't know like your life would just uh, feel like it, it just ended the, the the moment you leave the cult that's what they make you feel like um, imagine you're just you think you're going into like you know getting help into a group of people group of welcoming people and then one day it's just it's like even when you want to leave there's like no way out I mean how crazy is that right I'll tell you who I am as to whether or not you believe who I am or not is up to you Marshall Applewhite he was actually a very charismatic figure he just seems like a very warm and knowledgeable person he started Heaven's Gate he believed that their destiny was to transcend into space so they all took this poisonous cocktail in bunk beds and killed themselves people want to trust people we're social beings and in a social climate of of confusion and divisiveness people are looking for assurance when someone comes and pitches this better life who's going to say no to that unless you already have it pretty well i think it's important to take a hard look at yourself am i easily trusting of new friends am i in a financially unstable or vulnerable position could you fall prey to a cult Okay now let's get more in detail about few of these incredibly terrifying cults. Now I'm going to I'm just going to say it guys I'm not even going to try to keep it short because I am totally fascinated by the whole thing about cults and this 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 guy in particular that we're going to be talking about right now. So yeah, if we, you're going to you're going to know everything about this guy and the cult on whatever. Okay. So the first cult uh, that we are going to be talking about is a San Francisco based evangelist group People's Temple which was founded in the 1950s by Jim Warren Jones who promised his followers a utopia in the jungles of South America and also is the founder of Jonestown so this man and uh, if you had known about cults this is the first name that comes to your mind uh, Jim Jones when you hear the word cult because this man not not only did he had one of the biggest of uh, following uh biggest biggest following cult in history but also did some pretty terrifying things so yeah so he ultimately led his followers into a mass suicide which left more than 900 people dead and came to be known as the Jonestown massacre not only did this man you know have like a huge number of followers 
he opened a town uh, he like settled down with all these followers in a place called jones town that he created so jones was born on may 31st 1931 in rural indiana jones's dark qualities his need to control people his deceit and his anger toward people who betray or abandon him could be traced to his childhood in indiana again any person who becomes something abnormal in a bad way who's completely different from the others be it a cult leader serial killer um whatever it is they have had a rough childhood most of the cases or a psychological problem or uh, physically they are ill or you know mentally something is wrong most of the time it's a childhood trauma and here uh, this case is no different so a loner during his youth jim would entertain his playmates in in the loft of his family's barn and made them his captive audience one time he even locked up his young friends in the barn he performed experiments on animals and conducted funerals on them wow that is a effed up thing to do when you're that small i thought jimmy was a really weird kid jones's childhood friend chuck says he was obsessed with religion he was obsessed with death a friend of mine told me that he saw jimmy kill a cat with a knife so yeah i think that's like the first red flag right there you know killing an animal anybody who kills an animal is like wow it's like effed up in the head animal animals are like the best thing ever like they're better than humans yeah they're better than humans everybody knows that and if you can kill an animal you can damn well kill a human i'll tell you that and jones also had an early fascination with adolf hitler when hitler committed suicide in april 1945 thwarting enemies who sought to capture and humiliating him jimmy was impressed Now, as a young child, Jones became a regular churchgoer, and after graduating from Butler University, he decided to enter the ministry. In the early 1950s, he began working as a self-ordained Christian minister in small churches around Indianapolis. So, Jones, uh, pretty much soon became a, a minister. He started. He wanted to join the ministry, and then soon became a self-ordained. Christian minister and started working in churches and stuff so he was obsessed with religion and death and whatever so jones opened his uh, first people's temple that's what he that's what the cult is called people's temple it's a temple and he's a god uh, jones opened his first people's temple church in indianapolis in the mid 1950s his congregation was racially integrated something unusual at the time for a midwestern church but his uh, but jim jones first people's temple his first church he started his own church his first church had uh, had people from all racial backgrounds like uh, hispanic black people brown people white people everybody now um he that affiliated with the disciples of christ okay so obviously in 50s and 60s people weren't like uh, very on board with you know uh having to you know integrate black people i mean i think yeah even now there's like a church for black people and a different church for white people only few places have like churches with with all uh, racial uh, uh people so his followers consisted a large and diverse mix of racial backgrounds and age groups who were drawn to the church's progressive and activist ideals Now uh, during this time in the temple these devoted and hard working people performed selfless deeds for the community and some of them had turned their lives around by getting off of drugs and crime we all felt that we were a family rather than a church says Cole a former member in the mid 1960s he and his wife incorporated the people's temple in california and settled outside the town of ukiah with some 100 followers believing that the move would protect them in the event of nuclear holocaust so that's what at, at first obviously it was very a uh, progressive church uh, at that time which which had uh, which had new ideologies not just uh, you know not it just it didn't just follow christianity or any kind of religion for that matter so at first people thought that it's more than just a church it's like a family to them you know how it's like a family outside of family and uh, they honestly felt like they were seen they were heard and uh, it felt like a home and not not only did uh, they got help uh, they also tried to do a, lo- a lot of selfless deeds and uh, i mean yeah it was it was pretty good at first 
but it didn't stay the same for a long time um by 1972 he had opened another temple in los angeles he began to make friends among politicians and the press in california and became a respected churchman now man's got power man's got wealth and man's got you know contacts what else do you need right to be to be a leader now thousands of followers a large percentage of them african american flocked to him strength central to jones's appeal where his displays of mind reading and faith healing now we don't know if he actually had all these powers to you know mind read or faith healing but he just knew people that's how he um you know had identified what kind of problems that they had and tried to you know sort it out so looking to expand the reach of his organization jones frequently met with father divine a popular black evangelist and a founder of the peace mission movement now father divine was again another uh, big cult leader but but he kind of uh, his reputation was a little controversial because uh, Uh, I don't know what he did but it, it just said it's controversial because of the because of its ideologies so uh Jones uh Jones but he, Jones really admired him so he wanted to follow his path so he often met with father divine to you know uh ask for you know help or you know try to uh, teach him how to be a good leader right so father divine started a new religious movement in the 1910s that do huge numbers of worshipers who saw him as god Now, Jim Jones is said to have mirrored a number of qualities that Father Divine possessed and even claimed to be his reincarnation once he had passed. So Jim Jones is pretty much obsessed with this guy and he helped him a lot um even though they were like totally different guys with totally different ideologies. So Jim Jones just liked the way that you know Father Divine was perceived and he wanted that for his own self. So as Jones congregation grew almost around now now people's temple almost has around 20000 members negative reports started to surface about the man referred to as father by his followers he just simply said they did you know he is the father of all these people like he is is nothing he he is not god he is not um he's the messiah and that all of his people in the in, in the group and all the people in the temple were his children so temple members were regularly humiliated beaten and blackmailed and many were coerced or brainwashed into signing into their possessions including their homes to the church so obviously that's where he started doing the bad things right so uh he helped people out at first but then he started to you know you need funds to run uh, or oh, this big as you know organization or whatever the cult so he made all the members to sign away their homes their belongings whatever and be- and it's not just one person from one family that joined the cult if one person had joined the cult jim jones made sure that all the family members were in the cult as well because in that way there's nobody left behind you know i think it's also a way in which he knows that you know if if one of the family members if it's just one member from the family that is in the cult and something happens to them he could just you know um he couldn't do anything right so if it's all the people if there are like five people in the family and all of them are in the cult if one wants to leave he would he could just blackmail that you know if you want to leave go leave like go away we don't care but your other members of the family cannot leave and that's what he actually did you know like he never let children you know children were also in the cult and he never let children out so so the parents had no other way but to stay in the cult as long as as long as they can you know so in 1977 after members of the press began to ask questions about jones operation jones and more than 1000 temple members moved to guana and set up an agricultural commune called jones town so this is actually where the story gets a pretty um intense and this is where it all began you guys this is the start this is the beginning of the end if you want to call it yeah the jonestown was a complete complete bad idea and uh, i mean why would you do that right just because you know th- the reason for it to be you know for the whole you know the massacre to happen is because they were isolated completely they literally lived in a jungle you know so there's there's like he could he could do whatever what he wanted with them so however jonestown did not turned out to be the paradise their leader had promised 
Now following the move Jones who adopted the name the prophet apparently became obsessed with the exercise of power obviously right now you have like 1000 people following you anybody who would like you know this whole point was you know uh, maybe he didn't like uh, expect uh, all of these people to follow him maybe he did maybe this was his whole plan that you know when when he gets all these people to follow him it like ultimately become the leader and you know totally like you know abuses power So temple members worked long days in the fields and were subjected to harsh punishments if they questioned John's authority. So their passports and medications were confiscated and were they were plagued by mosquitoes and tropical disease. He also required people's temple members to participate in mock suicide drills in the middle of the night. Now this is this is the most after part of what Jim Jones did, right? So not only did he make all the people uh, temples members to you know work day and night at the fields uh, because obviously he didn't have funds right he couldn't he couldn't just go around and ask for funds and uh, I mean he he did have contact he did have power he did have like money but not enough money to you know serve and you know take care of all, like 1000 people in this in this jungle right so they made he made them work day and night be you know plagued by mosquitoes and you know he had a whole army of people and uh, he also had all these suicide drills which is which is just a which is just a mere way to test their loyalty towards him so the thing that he did was he made everybody drink cyanide laced Kool-Aid now someone if you don't know what a Kool-Aid is just a punch that they have like in parties and such it's a uh, it's like how do i put it it's like it's like water but it's like flavored water right so but this one was not just played it was poison so he made he made everyone drink cyanide laced Kool-Aid or at least that's what he said it was because it was not cyanide laced Kool-Aid because uh, um he just wanted to test if you would drink it and you know sacrifice yourself for him so and if you refuse to think he would force you and if you try to run away you'd get shot So now these drills were again to check the loyalty of his followers but one day it was not a drill anymore. Terry Bufford, a woman who escaped Jonestown before the mass suicide, recalls her experience in Jonestown. Quote, Jim was very paranoid. He could not accept the fact that one person would leave him ever. He had us all sign papers, Jim called them compromises. They were blank sheets of paper or typed sheets of paper that he'd cover up while we signed our name. He had something he could blackmail all of us with. One guy tried to leave and Jim said he'd use his paper against him so he'd never see his children again. So he came back. The thing was too uh, that Jim would not let children off the compound. So if you are going to leave, you were leaving without your child. There are there was just no way of getting a child out of Jonestown. So I just doomed man like if you enter there and if you are there in the cult there's no way there's no going back. I mean you can try to run away but you'd get shot but he because he had like a whole army like who had like who had guns all on them like 24/7 and and it's a, it's it's a long way to you know escape the jungle and get to the road or you know get to the city so it's pretty much there's no way out this wasn't all it was cooked up to be it was not paradise it was a concentration camp it was hell it was a plantation and there were things going on that i knew were totally ungodly and inhumane and he had in my opinion and i say this and i'm compelled to say this he had 917 chances to stop the annihilation and yet he continued to witness people dying one by one so jones didn't always practice what he preached in his personal life during his final months in jonestown jones was addicted to pharmaceutical drugs a married man who adopted children of different racial backgrounds jones also engaged in sexual relations with some of his female and male followers quote jim said that all of us were homosexuals says joyce houston an ex temple follower everyone except him He was the only heterosexual on the planet and and that women were all lesbians and the guys were all gay and so anyone who showed interest in sex was just compensating and good 
Now, though the mass suicide seemed inevitable towards the end, this incident that triggered it was the arrival of a congressman, Leo Ryan. Leo Ryan, a U.S. representative from California, heard that heard from some of his constituents that their family members were pe- were people being held against their will at Jonestown and decided to go there to investigate. So Ryan, he's a congressman. He wanted to see what's going on there and that this guy is like held, holding all these people hostage. Not not hostage, just just yeah. This, he captured all these people and uh, holding them against their will. So he wanted to go check it out and. What the, what the hell this guy is doing over there, right? So Ryan arrived in Guana in November 1978 with a delegation that included news reporters and photographers along with concerned relatives of some of the People's Temple's members. On November 17, the congressman and reporters were welcomed to the Johnston compound to their surprise with a dinner and an evening of entertainment. Like, uh, Jones even agreed to meet the, with reporters. However, during the visit, some People's Temple's uh, members asked Ryan's group to help them get out of Jonestown. So to uh, Leo Ryan's surprise, um, he Jones was actually very welcoming and hospitable and nobody expected that because he he was pretty sure that this man was hiding something in the jungle and you know he would he had all these people against their will so so he was pretty surprised when he you know agreed to talk to the reporters and whatever that's how there's like a lot of tape even on YouTube if you want to go if you want to go see that so but uh, the people some few of the people temples members knew that this was their only way out so they tried to you know go out with leo ryan when he's leaving the people temple so on november 18 ryan and his group along with few people's temple members decided to leave jonestown while waiting at a nearby jungle airstrip they were ambushed by gunmen sent by jim jones ryan was killed along with the reporter and cameraman from nbc a photographer from the San Francisco Examiner and a female People's Temple member who was attempting to leave. So that didn't go so well for Leo Ryan. He just wanted to help the people out there. But you see what happens when you try to get in the way of Jim Jones? You get killed. You get killed or you can either serve him for life or you just die. You either stay out or if you go in, there's just no way out. So the same day as the murders at the airstrip, Jones told his followers that soldiers would come for them and torture them. So he ordered everyone to gather in the main pavilion and commit what he termed a revolutionary act. So yeah, remember the drills that were uh, made? So said drills where you test people's loyalties. Now he was just scared that, you know, uh, once once they get to know that Leo Ryan, he was a congressman, right? He's not a normal, pe- normal person. So he's a congressman who died. So he obviously knew that the army or police were coming to get him and get people out of this facility so he he did what he had he did what he had to do he tried to you know make them all kill themselves because if he i mean obviously at this point they're listening to everything that he's saying right so he just decided to kill them right so yeah the way that he did this was you know uh, turning those suicide drills into a actual real one so he made everybody drink punch, cyanide-laced punch, Kool-Aid, and, you know, kill them, yeah. So the youngest members of the People's Temple were the first to die, as parents and nurses used syringes to drop a potent mix of cyanide, sedatives, and powdered fruit juice into children's throats. Adults then lined up to drink the poison-laced concoction, while armed guards surrounded the pavilion. And they went around with stethoscopes and if you still had a heartbeat you'd be shot so he he pretty much made sure that none of them survived to you know live to say the story of of you know how how they were tortured there but like i think like 30 people something survived yeah so i'll get to that um so yeah he pretty much killed everybody and if you tried to run away or if you tried to do anything other than you know suicide you'd be shot, you'd be killed. He made sure that you were dead there. Now, this horrific event is the source of the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, Jones himself died of a gunshot wound. It's said that, you know, after he made sure everybody died there, he killed himself with a gun. So, Gwenny's troops reached Jonestown the next day and the death toll of cultists were eventually placed at 913 people, including 276 children. Now, a few people uh, managed to escape in the jungle that day, while at least several dozen more People's Temple members 
including sev- several of Joan's sons were in uh, another part of Guyana at that time. So in total only 33 survived. 33 out of more than 900 people. Now a terrifying recording of the event known as the death tape helped investigators understand what happened that night. Not only did he just kill them, uh, he also made sure that people outside world saw what he was capable of doing and what had happened there. So he made a whole like uh, he recorded the whole thing and it was called the death tape. It made it 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 helped the investigators to actually see what happened there. But again, he obviously did make that tape to show how powerful he was, you know. Even though he lived a short time of period, even though he didn't have such a good end, um but he made sure that you know people knew how powerful he was even at the time that he had lived right so actually in american horror story um cult season 7 episode they they completely like reenact the whole uh, massacre the incident with evan peters as jim jones it was pretty terrifying uh, to see evan peters and jim jones but also the massacre yeah so it was oh my god it was so uh, fascinating because they reenacted the whole scene and it was not just jim jones they had a lot of cult leaders like cults uh, for example like charles manson's cult and uh, and this david's cult and it was pretty cool but uh, if you want to see uh, that clip i'm actually going to be posting that clip if i find it on my instagram if you're not already following my instagram for this podcast the official uh, handle for this podcast is at underscore the root of all evil podcast i repeat at underscore the root of all evil podcast if you're listening to this right now go follow it i post a lot of things i have been uh, posting um you know uh, extra information and extra video clips that i can find relating to that particular episode and i have been posting it and this week i'll post that also so yeah if we can't live in peace then let's die in peace We've been so betrayed. We have been so terribly betrayed. But we tried, and this Jack Beam often said, I don't know where he's at right this moment, where's Jack? He said, if this only worked one day, it was worthwhile. <laughs> I've never lied to you. I never have lied to you. My opinion is that we be kind to children and be kind to seniors and take the portion like they used to take in ancient Greece and step over quietly because we are not committing suicide it's a revolutionary act now today the phrase drinking the kool-aid refers to uh, those who blindly and foolishly follow something you know people who don't uh, research or try to understand the reason behind anything and they just blindly believe in something they are called you know they they just say uh he is going to drink the kool-aid you know but it had mixed and even offensive meanings to the temple survivors and relatives one of the most remarkable stories of survival from jonestown belongs to hyacinth thrash an elderly african woman who slept inside a cabin throughout the whole ordeal so even during all of this uh, tragic events that happened that night where people were literally shot and poisoned This one woman slept through the entire thing. She woke up the following morning and walked over to a, to a senior citizens building where she saw bodies covered in sheets. Her sister Zipora Edwards was among the dead. Now, I mean I don't know if we can say if she was lucky that she survived or that, you know, she had to see that the traumatic thing that had happened there, you know, like the whole image of it is like If you take like a helicopter shot of what happened there is just bodies just like 900 people just lying there you know like just the whole uh, facility is just covered with bodies you know how traumatic is that to see that in person right and this woman saw it but i mean she can count herself lucky that she's not one of them right but still she saw her sister and all of her family members dead there so her memoir the onlyest one alive trash recalled they were all of those dead being put in bags people i've known and loved god knows i never wanted to be there in the first place i never wanted to go to guana to die i didn't think jim would do a thing like that he let us down unquote 
obviously he let a lot of people down he let himself down his maybe he he didn't you know expect to be uh, except to become such a you know dictator you know he maybe he just wanted to make the world a better place and you know start with this group of people but then because of drugs and you know um he was just it was it just took a bad turn you guys like yeah and it resulted in you know one of the biggest mass murders i mean suicide or maybe was it murders i don't know i mean they drank the poison on their own but but actually um the tragedy didn't stop there people who survived the massacre had to go through their own kind of ordeal following jonestown former temple members including those who had lost loved ones initially struggled to resume their lives others had their own personal tragedies after the catastrophic event in 1979 mike prokes the temple's media relations man who escaped death in jonestown called a press conference in a california motel room to defend the temple he then later went into the bathroom and killed himself with a gunshot to the head now obviously i even people people even so yeah even uh, the people who survived the whole incident the 33 survivors remember and the people who left the uh, facility before you know uh, before the whole uh, massacre even they had their own you know shit to deal with and uh, some some people dealt with it and some people just couldn't so it's also said that there's a the- not it's not a theory it's it's pretty much uh, real that you know the whole thing was a murder and not a suicide while the general view of what happened was a mass suicide because people lined up to take the poison drink there have been arguments from witnesses and former temple members that it was really a mass murder when jones implemented the actual suicide plan in jonestown there were armed guards with guns and crossbows to ensure that nobody was getting out alive some victims were found to have marks on their bodies suggesting they were injected with the poisons adding to the mass murder argument is that numerous young children died in jonestown who couldn't possibly know what they were doing obviously right i mean the elders the adults knew that you know they were sacrificing their lives for you know jim because just because jim jones asked them to because he i mean they believed in him right and they believed that he could uh, even after they die he he they believed that he could you know help them out and uh, he just told them that you know you're just leaving your physical body and we are going to go to a better place than than a place like this right so that's what he was trying to convince people that's why that's how he made them kill themselves but i mean children what they what were what were they doing you know children they didn't just uh, go and drink the poison they were poisoned by their own parents and adults who were there i mean um, obviously they didn't have the maturity to you know even understand what was going on there so they just simply followed their parents and you know ultimately died So Tim Carter who lost his wife and baby son in Jonestown also concurs that it was a mass murder. Jones was going to kill everybody no matter what he says. There were so many lies that Jones told to people to create a state of siege mentality in the community that even those that were making a principled stand of revolutionary suicide probably were influenced a lot by the lies that he was telling them. Uncold. So yeah a lot of people have lost their loved ones in this mass murder or or suicide whatever it is i mean whatever it is whatever you want to call it but still people lost their lives and people who believed that you know their life would be better so i think that's one of the mo- most like the biggest tragedy that could happen to somebody and yeah it's just a part of american history now and um, and yeah just don't believe in something so blindly so so how did you learn what happened to your family We didn't know until probably because the count kept changing. Two days later, when they flew us into the capital of Georgetown, that everyone had perished. But I still didn't believe it. I just, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe my family was dead for years. I just knew somebody was stuck in the jungle and they made it to the Venezuela border. It was how I was able to cope with it, with the loss, by just denial. You know, I got into a lot of things. I was very destructive because honestly, I did not want to be here. I did not want to live. Every day was 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 horrible trying to I mean just get up I'm like oh my god I can't believe I'm still here. You know, I wanted somebody to take me out because I I wasn't going to do it myself, but I was in so much pain and I didn't get any help. 
And so I internalized all that. We didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I changed my name, you know, and I had a couple close friends that had been in the church, had been in People's Temple, and that's it. And I just kind of went underground. So for 20 years, it took me about 20 years to really talk about it, um, but I suffered through it. And finally, I can tell you exactly when it was because in 2007, I made a decision to heal. And the way I did that was to forgive Jim Jones. And once I was able to forgive Jim Jones, I was able to forgive myself. But at least Jim Jones uh, made people sacrifice their lives for him and uh, just the people in the cult. But this guy, the next guy that's coming up, I don't know what his deal was, but he literally started a terrorist organization and calling it a cult. So at this point, you could have, you would have, you guys would have like understood, you know, what kind of things a cult leader or like a cult is capable of. That you know, none of the rules that apply to us in a, in a normal life, you know, to a normal being, applies in a cult. So I think, uh, and the same thing happened. Um, at least, at least Jim Jones. I'm not saying is any good the things that he did. This is the reason that people are so scared of the word cult and just you know what it what it signifies because literally a terrorist organization not even kidding it's a, it's a terrorist organization and uh, i'll tell you the reason behind it so this next cult that we're going to be talking about is the Aum Shinrikyo cult which is believed to be one of the wealthiest cult and obviously it was this terrorist organization too um yeah in history the cult whose name means supreme truth began in the 1980s as a spiritual group mixing hindu and buddhist beliefs later working in elements of apocalyptic Christian prophecy. Shoko Azahara, this is the uh, cult leader, uh, declared himself to be both Christ and the first enlightened one after Buddha. Azahara, the founder, was highly intelligent and charismatic, like every cult leader is. Now, he's also legally blind, which added to his oracular aura. Now, he claimed to be a deity capable of purifying sinners and a prophet of the end times. Now, Asahara preached that the end of the world was near and that the Aum followers would be the only people to survive the apocalypse, which he predicted would occur in 1996 or between 1999 and 2003. Now, obviously, it wasn't true. People have been saying that forever that, you know, the world would end in 2012, 2020, um, but it just doesn't seem to be ending. I mean, I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying, just stop predicting that the world is going to end. It'll end when it'll end, you know. Now, Asahara claimed that the United States would hasten the um, Armageddon by starting World War III with Japan. So he uh, predicted that uh, America would, you know, hasten the process of the world ending. And he predicted that it would end by the World War III. When you start trying to hold people captive and, you know, you try to do all this criminal behavior, the law obviously interferes. And he was like, he was trying to, I was, I don't know what he was trying to do. He was trying to, you know, stop that. So he tried to bomb America and he tried to do a lot of things to America. He pretty much, um, his only target was America. So he was trying to, you know, just wipe out America as, as much as he can. So Azahara recruited the brightest minds he could find and over the years began turning the cult into a brutally efficient war machine. As it recruited thousands of members, their group used mind control, psychedelic drugs, secret rituals, violence, and blackmail to keep them in line. Now, Asahara eventually came to fancy himself as the incarnation of Shiva, the Indian god of destruction. So he related himself to Lord Shiva and he was like, I am here to bring destruction and save the world. That's what, that's, that was his whole thing. That was his whole motto. So he wanted to pretty much destroy everything and save it at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. So by 1988, the cult was engaging in criminal behavior, forcing donations from members and holding them captive that caught the attention of law enforcement. So obviously, uh, as long as you're, you know, in a, under the roof and doing whatever you want, nobody cares. Like, you know, like Jim Jones, he was, he just isolated all these people and then he had them in, in a jungle and, you know, he did whatever they, he wanted with them. But so the point of no return came in February 1989 when several of Asahara's followers strangled to death cult member Suji Tagoshi, who had tried to leave the organization, Asahara ordered the execution. 
so azahara was nothing different from jim jones he's not different from any cult leader obviously and he um, you know he ordered to execute one of the member who was trying to leave and really strangle him to death so they obviously need funds right to you know implement all these ideas that he had so for that he began manufacturing methamphetamines um anybody who watches breaking bad knows it's crystal meth so he started uh, manufacturing them and selling them to japanese mafia the yakuza now the f- group purchased molecular modeling software and other materials in the united states which were most likely used to develop chemical weapons so man uh, totally tried to like you know he had he had the complete plan laid out and he just wanted to destroy everything so they got most of the revenue from their own wealthy cult members so they they started to be get start getting money from the from the members of their own cult and then they also started you know selling crystal meth and you know whatever they can to get money now they also tried to buy a high powered laser system costing nearly half a million dollars presumably to weaponize it it had managed to synthesize vx gas and sarin i don't know how I'm, i think i'm pronouncing it wrong uh sarin or is it sarin i just go with sarin sarin which uh, comes in both liquid and gas forms it's a highly toxic and volatile no agent the nazi scientists developed in the 1930s now chemical weapons experts say that sarin gas is 500 times more toxic than cyanide gas you can i think you can imagine how toxic and how dangerous this serene gas is right it's literally 500 times more toxic than cyanide wow yeah and that's what he wanted to use to make chemical weapons although serene is very complex and dangerous to make uh, experts say that the gas can be produced by trained chemists with publicly available chemicals so anybody could create it i mean it's it's a complex thing to make but if a trained chemist tries to he, he can make it So as early as 1992 arm was looking at ways to spread serin via helicopter to do maximum damage. Now in June 1994 arm did a test run of the serin gas in a residential area of Matsumoto city. So he wanted to spray this gas this serin gas from helicopter so it would do maximum damage. He got all these uh, army helicopters so that he can you know drive around and drop all this gas and release this gas and kill people but he wanted to do a test run you know in case in case you know there are some defects in it so initially 12 people died and over 6000 were sickened or injured you know you know how they did it all members put a liquid form of serin tightly contained in bo- packages made to look like lunch boxes or bottled drinks onto five cars of three separate si- subway lines that converged at the Kasumigase key station where several government ministries are located and the perpetrators punctured the packages with umbrellas and left them in subway cars and stations where they began to leak a thick liquid now witnesses say that subway entrances resembled battlefields as injured commuters lay gasping on the ground with blood gushing from their noses or mouths The 1995 attack was the most serious terrorist attack in Japan's modern history causing massive disruption and widespread fear in a society that is virtually free of crime. But the subway attack also showed the world just how easy it is for a small cult or a group of terrorists with limited means to engage in chemical warfare. So you see guys uh, Japan is in a very like you know a uh, country with a lot of terrorist organizations uh it's it's is so this cult when they were trying to like poison literally poison people with a with a dangerous gas it was one of the most um you know serious terrorist attack that had happened ever in japan so originally arm planned to massacre citizens by spraying botulin the most lethal natural poison to humans from buildings and modified delivery vans but Arm's team of young scientists cultured and experimented with biological toxins including botulin, anthrax, cholera and Q fever. Now the transition to chemical weapons came after biological attacks failed. So he actually uh, initially wanted to you know literally like shoot people with this 
this thing and even even start a wave of cholera or q fever or whatever but then it all failed so he he opted the chemical weapons so investigations at raids after the subway attack showed that arm was capable of producing thousands of kilograms of sarin a year according to the center for disease control cdc on may 16 asahara was finally found and arrested the same month arm member toru toyoda and other members set up a machine to dispose a fatal cloud of cyanide fumes by placing it in in an underground passage connected to megalithic transport hub so actually they had uh, not just it wasn't just the sarin attack uh, sarin subway attack that they did they actually had like a like a lot of plans of how to a uh, lot of attacks that they had planned you know all over the all over the uh, country uh, so as to test it and you know and they actually failed in a lot of them fortunately and uh, asahara was actually uh, arrested and put to death uh, thank goodness before he could have done anything more severe so what would have happened if the police hadn't arrested the members for the attack more more than likely they would have expanded the scope of their terrorist campaign to new york and beyond so what would have happened if they just had you know arrested them a little later they would have they literally had like a plan to disperse a fatal cloud of cyanide fumes and uh, they would have only expanded to you know united states and what not 20 years later a number of victims continue to suffer physical or mental after effects of the sarin attack experiencing complications such as impaired speech blurred vision and post traumatic stress some of the more unlucky ones are still confined to their beds now you can you can totally like you know understand how dangerous that stupid gas was and da- how dangerous it would was to just release it in public like that you know in a subway which is like crowded with thousands of people and some people even after 20 years later some people are still like confined to their beds and so people have blood visions and you know what not right so uh have some kind of problems even if they haven't died or just injured they have some kind of problems in a way and uh, it is just one one attack that they had successfully did successfully planned and executed imagine what would have happened if other other of his attacks that he had planned like the biological attack and this the cyanide fume thingy what would have happened if those were you know he was successful with those literally japan like he could have wiped out like half half of japan you know I am so glad that he got arrested and he's put to death but actually it's still said that you know some of his cult members are actually still trying to you know eradicate and people like in that way and you know destroy and you know just uh continues legacy or whatever but uh but recently in 2019 it said that you know or uh, the last me- not the last member the member that you know actually had the balls to to execute his plans they actually uh, have arrested him too he's like literally like the last person to be standing in that cult mem- that cult group so his uh, case is still going on whether to as there have been other attacks guys it's not just sudden this this is the biggest attack but there have been like small attacks here and there throughout the 2000s so i don't know but it's not that severe as this sarin attack this is the first attack that that had started everything so so yeah and uh, there had there had been so many attacks in japan and uh, these cult members have actually been you know accused of all these attacks and some have been some have pleaded guilty some have not pleaded guilty so yeah and the cases are still going on in the courts but so whatever it is guys i just hope these cult members you know uh, just should rest and not try to execute the plans and the ideas that this guy had you know once in long time ago so yeah so that's all i have for you guys today but next week or whatever whenever it is next time i'm actually going to be talking more about this a particular topic because cults are just so scary i mean cults are the, the reason for it to be so scary is because it's real right it's real and it had happened and uh, it could happen to anybody and you wouldn't even know about it because it's that subtle and it's that scary right so i actually am pretty fascinated about this topic so if you like this episode please please um you know look out for another episode that's coming up the next episode is going to be like part 2 of this uh episode and it will have more cults i'll talk about more of those uh other 
there are like a lot of cults actually and uh, we can maybe talk about this also cults in india and uh, which are also which you guys have known about but you just don't know if they are actual cults which are capable of doing culty things so yeah uh, we'll talk about that next week and i'll also so i'll also talk about the active cults that are there nowadays and you know how people can actually get out of that cult and the experience that they have after getting out of that cult and you know and all of that yeah so so i've been doing my research and i'm really excited to talk more about cults and you know other cults so yeah if you like this episode do um follow it on spotify or wherever you're listening it to so that you'll be notified every time i post a new episode and share it with your friends any friend that you think might be interested in this so yeah i'll guys i'll see you guys next time stay scared bye bye